back to Access Bodybuilding with me, Aaron Singerman, and my co-host, Christina Voynich. Christina, what's in the news for this week? Alpha Helix revealed. IFBB Pro Mark Alvisi arrested. We talk wrestling with IFBB Pro Steve Namit. IFBB Grand Prix Los Angeles recap. Me and Mike Libertori get engaged. Big story. Plus, Aaron remembers Bob Kennedy with his friend, Dennis Weiss. All this week on Access Bodybuilding. Well, you know, all those stories are great and everything, but I think the big news here, I left at the end, but I want to start with the beginning with you and Mike Libertori, a longtime boyfriend now, what, you've been uh, dating for over a year, what, a year and a half, two years? No, I think we're coming up on about, I guess, technically a year and a half, but we'll we'll call it two years. Okay, a year and a half, two years. Um, Well, anyway... You guys, uh, finally, I know you've been anxious for Mike to pop the question. It finally, it finally happened, and uh, I'm very excited for you both. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you know, it's one of those things I always promised that I would never pressure him. Uh, <laughs> you know, you know, girls listening, you know, and, and especially, I guess, the men listening when your girlfriend is like, so, you know, when we get engaged, um, I never wanted to be that girlfriend. So I, I even when it came to looking at rings and everything, I never wanted to, to pressure. So um, the, to even go look, start looking at engagement rings, I let him make that decision. And uh he, uh, he definitely did, did you a good gave job. Him, you gave him hints. Come on. Well, we've been talking about it since like day one. I right. think we, we knew from day one we wanted to get married. It was just a matter of the timing and everything. And I, I spilled a full story on Muscle Girls Inc., which, yes, that means I'm pimping out my Muscle Girls Inc. show because <laughs> I tell word for word how the night went. But um, aside from that, yeah, I, I said on the show, too, you never really want to surprise your girlfriend 100% with the proposal because there's a chance she may say no. Uh, because if y'all haven't been talking about it, she doesn't know it's coming. So it's definitely good to talk about it before. You know, so- you know, the truth, the truth of the matter is I think that any girl, any situation where that happens and the girl says no, then something has got to be, then, then, then you made a, a great mistake because I can't imagine, like there is no doubt in my mind that Darielle would have said, Darielle would have said yes two three weeks into it you know what i mean i knew you know you can just know so if you're if you're like radar with your girlfriend is that off you are really you got problems <laughs> you got other problems and her saying no yeah, yeah. yeah that's true i kind of we kind of knew it was uh it was coming that day but you know you never fully prepare for it i was still very surprised because the words he said are very sweet and i was very overwhelmed and there were you know uh, it, was, it was a tearjerker moment, and I wouldn't have changed it for anything. I'm being sappy, I know, and I'm not known for being a sappy girl, especially on my radio shows, but uh, I, I was br- pretty girly that night on Friday. Um, is there any chance we can get uh, Mr. Mike Libertori on the I air think, with us? I think we do, because I guess I'm the future Mrs. Mrs. Mike Libertori. Libertori. That's the first time I've said that, so let me uh, wrangle him up. Yeah. Babe? Babe? Yep. Oh, he's here. What's up? <laughs> can, he, can he hear me as well? I can hear you. Okay, good, good. Um... Mike, I want to I want to uh, bring you back a few years. I have a good story uh, for and you. Both know the story because I've kind of talked. I've, I think I wrote it a few times for you guys. And but in, in detail, me and Mike um, before I guess you guys had met at that point, but you didn't. You, you guys had just met basically. And uh, Mike, I was telling. I guess we I stayed with you at a, a, a few shows. Yeah, that was uh, yeah 2010. Yeah, in 2010. I stayed with you for a few shows. Uh, like uh, I don't know, it doesn't matter which shows, but I stay with you for a few shows, and we would always talk about, uh, um, you know, you always talk about guys, you always talk about girls to some degree or another, and uh, 
at the time, I think I was, was I dating Amy or was I single by then? I think I was single you, by then. You were single. You were yeah, single. Yeah, I was single. Then, yeah. and, I, and I was trying to, I, might, I think I might have been even asking Mike some tips to pick up women, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I might have been asking for Aaron, Aaron, let, let's, let, let's end that part of the story right there. Right. Let's get on to the Christina part, well, okay? Well, he gave me some good tips, but he told me that he, uh, he thought he had met um, the one. He thought he had met somebody really interesting. And I don't think I'd ever heard Mike talk with that kind of like a... Uh, um, I, I never heard those words. Yeah, conviction. Yeah, absolutely. Conviction. He sounded uh, definitive. Um, like like he thought that maybe there was something really there. And uh, later when I went to Nationals, I believe that same year, he didn't go. And he said for me to look out for uh, this hot chick, Christina Voynich. And I remember the name. I was like, Vujinovic or something. I was like, I didn't remember. So I remember looking at the list, like the competitors list sitting in the press section and looking for her. He's like, she's tall. And so I was like looking through all the lists and I was like, fuck, I don't, I, I can't even figure out which one she is. So I remember watching the show and I never saw you. And then, um, cause I couldn't figure out what your last name was. And I was just looking for a hot chick with short hair that's tall, you know? <laughs> and, um, and you came up to me at the elevator and you told me and I was like, oh, okay. And, uh, and I gave Mike the report and I gave you a favorable, I gave you a thumbs up. So, oh, thank you. Ironically, Aaron, I remember, uh, you know, meeting you at the elevator and then later on that evening at prejudging, you know, I ended up taking third place and Mike was kind of the, the, the man behind the scenes giving me a little bit of encouragement because I literally wanted to go home. Uh, I was not having a good time and I wanted to go home and he kind of gave me some encouragement. I remember being on stage too and I was, try I was trying like hard to impress you and Dave because I knew <laughs> that you were going to give the report back to Mike on how I did and I was like, they, I don't even know if they know who I am but if I look at them a few times, well, <laughs> no. So you you guys all got me through nationals that year. That's great. See, that's a great story. That's and now you're here. You're marrying Mike. You're on the radio with me, doing a, co-hosting a show, and you're part of RX Muscle. It's a pretty amazing story, actually. Very very ironic. Yes. Yeah, it's um, a lot has happened since then, and you know it's been uh, definitely. Uh, all good so uh it's it's nice to have somebody to to grow with you know especially uh in the industry and we both you know enjoy it and support each other it's you know i sometimes i see couples and it's it's all about one and it's not about both you know uh somebody needs more uh I don't know, needs more attention than the other ones. And and for me, it's just not like that. I mean, I may take a little bit more, you know, uh, <laughs> take a little bit more time definitely when I'm dieting because it's just, yeah. it's just a little bit more difficult. But it's never that, you know, my show is more important than hers or never that I need to be, you know, the, the superstar. I mean, she's the one who's, you know, finishing better than I am and has two shows. So if, if anything, you know, she's the one who gets more publicity so uh and you know i don't i don't have an issue with that whatsoever so it's it's just fun because i know it's a it's a tough industry and it could uh break up a lot of couples and you know bring people together and you know so it's 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 tough but i think with uh christina it's like i from day one i knew there was just kind of something different it was just a matter of time or hoping that you know i would get my shot you know you guys have a unique dynamic 
um, like you were saying, there are a lot of couples in the industry where it seems like one sided or more one person than the other. Or sometimes you see couples that you can't tell necessarily if one is like supportive of the other, like they're hoping that they do well or, you know, or supporting them, you know, in any way that they can. And you always wonder, like, is that just what I'm seeing or is that what goes on all the time? And uh, as you know, as you both know, you know, not a lot of couples survive in uh, in the industry. And I feel like both you, Mike, and me uh, got really lucky with Christina and Darielle because I don't feel like there are a lot of girls, unfortunately for the guys listening out there, I don't think there's a whole lot of girls like them out there. No, I, I agree. I mean, um, Christina obviously is younger than I am. Uh, she's only 26. So, Darielle's uh, 25. Yeah, that was a nice, you know, nice bonus. And you know, the thing is, is uh, <laughs> tell me about it. At at that age, though, you know, depends on the person. A lot of a lot of girls are still, uh, you know partying or going out to the bars and you know some are really involved with their girlfriends and you know girlfriends get jealous and you know it's just it's hard to have that person's full attention but you know since day one you know Christina's never been you know a big partier and you know you know I actually was the one who probably opened their eyes more to clubs and going out and you know we do that occasionally but you know most of the time, I mean, there's plenty of times where we'll go out, just me and her, and it could be a Wednesday night or Thursday night, and we'll go to a bar and just sit there and have a couple of drinks and, and talk. You know, it's and, funny. And, it's and funny. enjoy the night. Mike, and I don't know many couples that could do that. No, I don't. Th- I, not not many. I, I think I was actually at the club with you and Christina when Christina came, turned to me and said, this is the first club that I've ever been in. <laughs> I really, I really yeah. think so. That was like, probably what? like like a year ago. And you're like, yeah, this is the first club I've ever been in. It's like that is very strange. That's sad. It's why it's, I think it's a huge bonus because yeah. she does like to go out and she does like to have a good time. And but you know, it's I'm I'm kind of past that phase. Uh, you know, my age is showing a little bit, and. There's some nights that I'd much rather just sit at home and, and watch, you know, TV with her or even, you know, like I said, you know, go to a bar by ourselves and just talk. I mean, that's one of the reasons why we like road trips. We we have no problem, you know, talking and, and being with one another quite a bit. You know, um, I was on the phone with somebody today and obviously I won't mention their name, but they're having they're an industry person and they're having trouble in their marriage and uh and the person asked me this they said uh i saw that mike and christina got engaged and they said how do you think that they'll do and uh i said actually i think that they're going to do very well i said that um um that you know i wouldn't say that for for everybody you know i i would uh especially privately on the phone i would be i might be you know a little less sure but i i told him that uh you guys are very uh have a, a great chemistry and a great uh, synergy. And I feel like, you know, together you guys make a, uh, you're better than the, the sum of your parts. You know what I mean? Thank you, Aaron. Thank you. That's very sweet. So, um, I, I, All right, Mike, get the hell out of here. I yeah, got to do a radio congr- show. Congratulations, Mike and Christina. <laughs> Thank you. Very nice. Both of you. Thanks. Okay, I need the other part when of When will we see Mike back on stage? When will we see Mike back on stage? Um, oh, yeah. You know, that's funny. I know the Chicago show is roughly 12 weeks away. Ooh. Um, I was thinking about doing that um, possibly and, and making a, uh, a run to, just to, to really put it in the overdrive. I'll tell you what, I mean, I haven't been you know, training super hard or, you know, I've made some improvements, but, you know, I've been really taking this time to myself to relax. But, um, you know, I've, I've got something wrong with my stomach. I'm not quite sure what it is. Uh, hopefully I'll have the answer in the next day or two. And if I if 
if I can get that figured out and get things right, then um, that's kind of like my Achilles heel. It's been my stomach. So finally getting proactive about that. And if, if I can figure that out, then Chicago's a good shot. And if I don't do Chicago, um, I, I don't know if you'll see me this year or not, but we'll see. You know, I'm, I'm feeling good. I've been training all right, but it's just I've been sick up and down this year. So it's kind of it's been difficult. Do Chicago. I'm telling you, that'll be a good one. That that's It's right in your backyard, of course. But not just that. It's going to be this is a brand new show. The lineup is going to be sparse. I mean, yeah, I mean, regardless of who's there, I mean, it's I would have a lot of support from uh, friends and fans. I want you to and- win. I want you to win. Well, I know, I know. Uh, I'd have to chop down two big guys to get that number one spot. I know uh, Ed Nunn was making a run for it, and I think Tony Freeman's doing it. So there's a there's a couple, you know, big dogs in there. But you know, I'm friends with both those guys, and you know, I'll push both of them out of the middle to get that spot <laughs> if I needed to. Good, Good. <laughs> you know, I, I, I got no problem, you know, trying to get in between those guys. But yeah, I think it'd be great just to have you know 50 to 100 people there for myself. Yeah, that would be great. You know? That would be great. And, and you know. It'd be like my my time on stage, you know, and it, it, it'd be a lot of fun. So, hopefully, we can, this week we can you know get the answers to all that, and you know, you'll be the first one uh, I tell. Uh, let, quick question: Since you're here, yeah. um, I'm going to get because you are a prediction guy, and Christina's sometimes a little shaky; doesn't like to give too many predictions. So, not just 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 mess with you, Christina. We got IFBB uh, FIBO Power in Germany this weekend. And the names on the this is a show you probably should have done, by the way. I know I like to tell you that, but you probably, probably should have done. Yeah. Okay. Every time. <laughs> hey, I just hey, I just try to mix it up with the with the tough lineups, you know, and uh Yeah, I know, I know. This show is this show this show you could potentially you could potentially have won this show, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's just what I want to hear. Johnny Jackson, these are the only names in the show that you're gonna even recognize. Johnny okay. Jackson, Michael Cafelianos. Um, maybe you know Lee Powell. Maybe you know Sergey Shelostov. Yeah. Uh, maybe you know Mark Lavoie. That's it. That's it. Well, that's the only ones I know. Um, it's going to be a walk for Johnny, and especially you know uh, if Johnny looks anything like he did, uh, you know, a couple times last year. He was he was tremendous at a couple shows, and then a couple a couple shows he was a little bit off. But you know uh, Johnny's thick, and he's got he's got the. He's got the the big name, and he's got the fans. You know, uh, Johnny's a popular guy, you know, around the world, and you know, he's he's very he's very good with his fans as well. So, um, I think it's going to be a walk for Johnny. Second place, Michael Cafalianos. Yeah, man. I mean, the guy comes in condition. His um, his physique's a little different, but he's for for he does carry some muscle. He's just put together kind of weird, and he comes in he comes in shape. So it should be tough. Um, yeah, maybe Cafaliano second, and the rest of it doesn't even matter because I don't really know. Unfortunately, well, they get a paycheck. You know, and that's one of the reasons why they're there. And uh, you know, surprising this lineup was so poor. I was, yeah, surprised for for the FIBO show. I mean, you figure there's there's a lot of Europeans out there that we don't really see over here, and you know they're good. I mean, if you ever look at the World Championships, they got some really good guys. And where are they? You know, where where are some of these guys at? I mean, I this know. is a show that uh, they should be doing. They got they, they, now. I will say there is 13 guys in the lineup, and a lot of them 
are from Russia, the Netherlands, uh, Czech Republic. You know, so I don't know. I don't know these guys personally. So some of them could be good. I mean, I I kind of know some of like uh, Matthias uh, Bothoff. I've I recognize that name and and uh, Sergey from Russia. But like yeah. most of these guys, yeah. they could be great. You know, we may have somebody um, who came in um, and won the the Dallas show. Um, what's his name? Isa Obiad. You know, you may yeah, have somebody like that. So we don't. know. Yeah, I wonder where where where's he at? <sighs> Disappeared. Disappeared. Wow, it's it's hey, it's it's tough. I mean, this is a tough sport to you know keep coming in year in and year out. So I know it's it's uh, it's difficult, you know, on me. So, uh, but you know, I, I love doing it. So that's I'll keep coming back regardless. Christina, uh, do you concur or do you disagree? I concur. Okay, thank you, Mike. We appreciate it. Thanks, Aaron. As always. As always. Later. Later, brother. All right, Aaron. And you're back. I got my I got my my chair back. You're back in the captain's seat. I'm back in the captain's seat. Let's roll. <laughs> All right. Um, let's start with Alpha Helix Revealed. Jay Cutler's uh, company is finally officially announced. I know we kind of broke it earlier because Pro Bodybuilding uh, Worldwide broke it uh, when Jay was on the show and we played that clip uh, last week. But um, this week he officially put out a press release. And um, I'm going to sum it up pretty quickly. I mean, it's what you would expect. Uh the, the things that you wouldn't expect necessarily or wouldn't know uh, is that Anthony Almada, who created uh, EAS or was helped create EAS and did a lot of their formulations, is uh, doing the, um, the formulations and working uh, to develop the products for Alpha Helix, which is pretty cool. Uh, and uh, Jay Cutler, is he says he's bringing all the best. So we don't know who that is yet. The one thing I did find curious was Robert Mack Gately is the CEO of Alpha Helix. And, uh, Interesting. Okay. I, so I don't know who this guy is, right? So I decided to Google him. There is nothing on this guy, like nothing on the internet other than what Jay says. That's it, you know. And uh, there was one arrest report of somebody of the same name and the same age in Las Vegas, but I asked Jay, and he said that is not the same guy. So um, I, I I wonder um, if there is a, as I'm sure there is, kind of a behind the scenes reason why he would be CEO and not. Jay Cutler, Jay is just you know an, an investing part. It says he is the co-owner, uh, right? Co-owner, and uh, he is on the board of directors. Um, it's that's interesting though. Like, I wonder how much money Jay put into this, how much of this Jay owns. If this is really Jay's company, or if this is somebody else, he didn't put any money into it, and somebody else put all the money in, and they said, "Listen, we're going to make you on the board of directors, make you a you know thirty percent minority owner, and uh, this is going to be your supplement line." But you're not, you know, you're only going to be a minority owner. We don't really know. Well, th- that could actually be a, s- a very smart thing if he's only co-owner. They're using his name, and if it completely bombs, it's not like Jay is out, you know, millions of dollars. Yeah, maybe he um, didn't do that. Maybe he didn't want to put his own money in. I don't exactly. I, we're speculating. Maybe sure. for all we know, Robert Mac Gately is his one of his best friends, and I just don't know him. You know, true, true. I mean, Jay has uh, connections and friends in many different industries. And uh, he told me that this thing is going to be big. And I told him I absolutely believe that. So um, they're coming out, you know, they're coming out pretty big. You know, they've got all of Jay's fans. Um, he's announced this on Facebook. He's changed his little, his Facebook, you know, cover photo to Alpha Helix. So he's got 800,000 fans looking at that. He's blasting it all over Twitter. So, I mean, they're, they're starting off with a much better head start than any other company. Uh, maybe better than any other company I've ever seen. Uh, so... You know, depending on how much money that they had invested in, somebody like Muscle Farm, right, who had millions of dollars put in to start, has a really good uh, start. Now, obviously, uh, 
with that with that money comes the the risk and also comes the fact that you have to make millions of dollars just to pay back the millions of dollars you put in. Well, exactly. You got to. Uh, it's got to be a while before you break even. And then you start making money. Yeah, you got to win big because if you don't win big, you know, if Muscle Farm just was a moderately successful company and they put in millions of dollars, then it's not a very good investment. So, um, you know, I don't know how much money is involved with Alpha Helix and we don't really know what their product line is going to be or how many different products they're going to have or anything at this point. But I will say that um, it is a impressive launch and people are taking note. So that's good. That's good. Um, like you said, there's been very, very few companies that started up recently that have kind of made it big. Very. The problem is the market is so saturated. Yeah. I mean, there's a million companies now. You have, you know, the the three to five big, big names, and then there's a bunch of little guys. Um, and probably with this partnership with Jay, this this Robert Gately, the CEO, or whoever the other board members are, if they've got a lot of cash that's available, and I'm sure Jay knows a lot of good businessmen, they could have the ability to kind of break through where a lot of the other companies haven't because they just don't have the funding behind them. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I definitely agree with that. Um, it's I guess time will tell. Uh, I, I'm predicting Alpha Helix will be uh, successful for sure. I just It'll be interesting to see how successful uh, Alpha Helix ends up being. Agreed. Definitely Next agreed. story, uh, not a very happy story. This is a sad story. Uh, IFB Pro Mark LVC arrested. Um, Mark is, I will I will say that Mark is a friend of mine, and uh, I never like to see anybody arrested. And, uh, you know, I definitely don't like to see a, a friend arrested. No, and Mike is, you know, good friends with Mark as, as well, as much, you know, heat as they kind of give each other. Right. Um, you know, it is, it's friendly fire, as, as, as they say. So um, it does suck when you see somebody go through something like this, because as, like, we all know, and we, I don't want to say we're guilty of it on the show, because we always, you know, try to get the best facts as we can. There's always people talking smack um, and making up rumors and making up stories. And I've seen it all over the boards, you know, that Mark was selling drugs he was distributing drugs and and in fact if you look at the reports none of that was actually true so it just sucks when something like this happens to kind of one of our own um people start that snowball effect that one lie leads to another and then it's a completely different story and that's exactly the reason why i called mark um when i saw people starting speculating and like totally making shit up i was like okay uh, now i feel like the best pr move for mark is to uh address it you know because even if it was just through telling me you know he wasn't selling it or giving me the situation and letting me deal with it and i called him and we talked for a while and he, he gave me the situation and uh, basically to sum it up um you know you can read my gossip column which is out number 52 it's on rx muscle um or ba- but basically the, the the situation was he was at a club with the girl that he's dating right now and they were planning to do some partying and he got a uh a little bag of cocaine, one gram, which is not a lot for people who have no, you know, don't know. I, I actually do know one gram is not a lot. Um, and uh, he got that, and he got a few ecstasy pills, and he was going to party with his girlfriend, you know. And uh, that's that's it. You know, a lot of people do that, and doesn't make them a bad person. Doesn't make them a drug addict necessarily. And uh, and he left the club, and somebody offered him a Xanax. I guess because you know, if you're taking uppers like that, eventually you want to go to sleep. You take a Xanax to go to bed. Um, pretty, uh, you know, that's not like the strangest thing in the world. And uh, he went out to the car, and when he got to the car, uh, cops ran up on him and uh, searched him and found these drugs on him. And they said that he he looked suspicious, and so they grabbed him, and that was it. You know, bad luck, basically. 
Uh, yeah, and that's the tough thing. You know, people are saying, I wonder if someone um, kind of narked on him, who knew who he was, and called the cops, and blah, blah, blah. Well, you, you, you don't actually, we don't actually know the, the reason why they spotted him. They just said, okay, he looked kind of suspicious, so we spotted him. Um, I've heard, you know, kind of people talk, and I've seen things, seen things written that, you know, apparently he must not um, care too much about his health, or that there, people were hoping that he's kind of taking care of himself while he's, you know, uh, dealing with all of this, and, you know, other people were saying something. I think I read somewhere um, well he must not be taking care of himself if he's doing cocaine and ecstasy and, and Xanax and you know it's one of those things that you know when, when you've done those things it's it is just every once in a while you do them to party 90% of the industry I think has probably done one of the three things <laughs> that that he had mentioned if not all three at the exact same time um, because we're not exactly known for being the most health conscious industry call me crazy. Uh, right. So it, it's one of those things I just don't like it that people are kind of calling him out on these things when you know uh, we're supposed to be a very accepting industry and supposed to um, kind of accept everyone based on their life choices because the life choice that we've chosen is not exactly um, non-taboo it's pretty taboo in the first place so um, it's kind of a bummer though that people are, are kind of out there talking stuff so I do I am very thankful that you were able to get a statement from Mark himself and that you know, I mean he was gutsy enough to say exactly what he was doing. He's not trying to hide it. It's different if there was a police report that said, oh, we found this and this and this and that, and he's denying it. Um, He's being forthcoming and straightforward and saying, this is what I was doing. Here's the story. I'm not lying about it, you know? And you know, the funny thing is that um, that story, the the emails I've received about it and the the response on Facebook and some of the response on uh, RX Muscle was actually very positive because that's how they felt, you know, that they, they... they, they either felt bad for him or they understood the situation or, you know, even if they don't agree with it necessarily, don't agree with it and they would never do it themselves, they still think, you know, that, you know, people make mistakes and people do things that they regret and, you know, certainly I have and, uh, you know, you live and you learn and, and uh, you know, it's unfortunate for Mark and, um, you know, he'll get back up. You know, the guy is a uh, is a fighter and he'll get back up. He's got a, a very uh, successful store in Florida, supplement store. He's starting his own supplement brand that has some very innovative products, uh, some different stuff, you know, and like you were saying, you have to have something different uh, or you're not going to garner any attention. He does have some stuff that's pretty different. So, um, you know, he'll be fine. And uh, the, tr- the truth of the matter is from who I talked to, a criminal attorney here in Florida, um, they said that something like this will either he'll either get uh, probation or it'll be dropped altogether. So and that's that was uh, what I was going to ask. I read the story as soon as you posted it in the gossip column. But was he held for long? Does he have a court date? Do no. we know anything about that? Or he was just arrested and, and then let go? No, he was arrested and he was released on his own recognizance, okay. uh, which shows you how serious the crime was. He didn't even pay a bail. Um, right. So uh, does he have a court date? Yes. Um, I'm sure he'll get a good lawyer, and um, hopefully it'll end up with uh, as little as possible for Mark. Definitely hope so, too. Next on our list, last week we talked about Steve Namat, who uh, has tried his hand at wrestling. And uh, IFBB Pro Bodybuilder 202, uh, Mr. Uh, not Mr. Olympia, Olympian, competed in the Olympia. Uh, uh, very nice guy from Hungary. And uh, I called him to ask him what the deal was with all this. And... Uh, Right now, Christina, I will play that short interview, okay? Got it. I have on the line with me right now IFB Pro Bodybuilder and future wrestling star, uh, Steve Namat. Steve, welcome back to Access Bodybuilding. 
Hey, Aaron. How are you doing, buddy? Very good, very good. It is uh, midnight, uh, Tuesday night in Tampa, Florida. We're both in Tampa. And you just got back from a wrestling practice. That's a lot different yeah. than a, a normal bodybuilding type schedule, huh? Yeah, it's, it's totally different. <laughs> we actually talked about you a little bit in last week's Access Bodybuilding. So I thought it would be good to have you on and hear how you made this decision and uh, kind of what's going on in the, in the, in the world of uh, Steve Nemat. You know, uh, the wrestling, well, this is uh, actually, this is a long story because originally I'm from Hungary, Europe, and I moved here like three years ago with my wife. And uh, anyways, when I was a little child, I was dreaming about being, you know, muscular and being maybe an actor. And of course, I was watching wrestling uh, on uh, the satellite TV from Germany and from the UK. Uh, you know, the American wrestling matches from WWF at that time and then WWE. And of course, uh, I saw uh, many good physiques on the, in the wrestling too. And I was reading bodybuilding magazines and I was very skinny. So, and also watching, you know, Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger and I wanted to start something. So I started bodybuilding when I was 15 because basically there wasn't any professional wrestling schools or stuff like that back in Hungary. And I, I wanted to be muscular anyway, so I started bodybuilding. But at the same time, I always wanted to try the wrestling, but I was getting better and better as a bodybuilder. So, you know, I was the best in my country until like 2004, I got my pro card started to compete in the States and uh, qualified for the 202 Mr. Olympia and stuff like that. But meanwhile, we moved to Tampa in 2009. Then I realized that the official school for the WWE is here in Tampa. So I was like, wow, so maybe now there is a time to finally try out, you know, wrestling. And I haven't competed since 2010. I mean, as a bodybuilder. So I started this uh, beginner school for uh, <clears throat> wrestlers. I mean, potential wrestlers like three months ago. Right. And actually, I'm going to have my very first match uh, next week. Wow. Unbelievable. So let me ask you this. I know you put all your effort and passion into bodybuilding. If back in Hungary, if they would have had a wrestling school, if that would have been made available to you, do you think that you would have taken a totally different path in your life, or do you think you would have still pursued bodybuilding first? Well, you know, that's a very good question, but uh, I have to tell you that I always wanted to compete as a bodybuilder. Okay. So I think uh, I would do that. I would do that anyways. But uh, I would start started training as a bodybuilder anyways because I wanted to be muscular. I wanted to look like 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 me right now at, at <laughs> least so but if i would uh, i would able to start you know professional wrestling of course i would have started because that's the two things i wanted to do you know wrestling and bodybuilding you know somehow well um let me ask you steve we talked uh, i guess last time i had you on access bodybuilding i mean you have talked privately at the gym and stuff about yes. uh, you being uh, unhappy with uh, bodybuilding, and not I, not necessarily the sport, but just kind of how it's panned out for you and for other pros. You know, there's not no, not 
Well, go ahead. Not really unhappy, but maybe, you know, disappointed. Disappointed. <laughs> yeah, disappointed. Okay. So you're disappointed. Um, you, I guess you thought that things wouldn't be the, is the way they are. Could you talk about that for a minute? Uh, well, you know, that's a, that's a very long story, too, actually. <laughs> but but to make it short, um, I had to realize, I mean, I started to compete as a pro in 2007. And I always had to travel from Europe to the States, you know, doing the shows. And that was, you know, that's a lot of money. Sure. And I did that in 2007, 2008, 2009. And then I, I decided, okay, I'm going to stay here in the States. I'm going to try to, you know, start a whole new life from, from the bottom again with my wife. And maybe that's going to be better for bodybuilding. Right. But then I realized, you know, we came here with, you know, four suitcases and like three, three grand or something. And we had to start a whole new life. And then I realized, wow, it's going to be even harder. <laughs> yeah. But still, I wanted to try it. So the next year, 2010, I competed again. And actually, you know, I qualified to the, the 202 Olympia. So I was happy. But by the end of 2010, I had to realize after like three, four years competing as a pro, I just, I just can't afford it. Right. And it happened, it happened every year, year after year, we went broke because I was competing, you know? And it doesn't matter uh, what kind of place you get at the show if you get broke every time. And, you know, you have to start all over again next year. And the only thing that's going to be in your mind, okay, next year I'm going to be better. But I mean, as a bodybuilder. But I mean, what's the point? I'm, I'm, I'm just spending money and, you know, I'm getting better maybe as a bodybuilder, but I get broke every year. <laughs> <laughs> and I realized uh, what the hell I'm doing. I mean, what's the point? It's so stupid. And still, that's my passion. That's, that's my favorite thing to do. I mean, working out, you know, doing the counter spread, uh, eating the same damn food every day. I love that. But, I mean... If I can't make any money with it, and at the same time I even spend all of my money and went broke, huh. I mean, after four years, I had to say to myself, "What am I doing?" I mean, that's, that's just not not a smart thing to do. So you decided to give up, or te- at least temporarily give up, one passion for another, for another potential dream, which the other dream would be professional wrestling. Yeah, because, you know, I'm not talking about I'm going to be a next WWE superstar and I'm going to make millions and I'm going to be at the 2013, you know, WrestleMania. But what I'm trying to do is trying to do something new and maybe finally I can make some money with that and I, I, something with I, I love to do. And the, maybe the most important, I don't have to spend any money on that. <laughs> because, okay, I want to look better. I'm, I mean, I want to look good, so I have to spend, you know, the same money on food and, you know, supplements and stuff like that. But, you know, to doing wrestling, preparing for a wrestling show, that's all practice. That's not spending thousands of dollars. You just have to practice. You have to look good. 
you have to try to sell the moves, you have to do better and better promos. And I have to say one more thing, I always wanted to entertain the people. That's why I love bodybuilding, I mean, to compete and to do the polio routine. But there's the other thing with bodybuilding, you, you're training for a year at least, and then you get on stage, you know, maybe for 30 minutes. Right, right. And, and you, you can do a posing routine. If you're lucky, then you can do a full posing routine. If you're not lucky, then they're gonna shut your music down after one minute. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, really? I'm training for one year and they shut down my music at one minute? <laughs> That's not cool. Yeah. So, so finally I realized, you know, I can act finally, you know, I can, I can entertain the people with wrestling. Right. Well, you know, is 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 this? You know, I'm a big. Obviously, I'm a big fan of bodybuilding, but I'm a big fan of how you presented yourself on stage last time you competed, and uh, you know how well, how great you looked, how phenomenal you looked in 2010. So I'm disappointed, personally disappointed that you're not doing bodybuilding. But I'm happy for you that you found another passion to put your energy in. It sucks to do a job that you hate. You know what I mean? So if you can find something that you can make money in that you love, that that that's great. That's a great thing. Yeah, you know, I, at least I want to try it, you know, because, yeah. because you know, I started wrestling, like like I said, like three months ago. And of course, you know, if I'm talking with wrestlers, they're going to say, you know, oh, it's very hard, you know, if you guys going to make it. But I'm telling them, come on, when I started bodybuilding just three months ago, I was 130 pounds. I looked like shit. Right. So three months is nothing. Right. I mean, I was I was training for 13 years to step on Olympia stage. Right. So of course, after three months, I'm not going to be a great wrestler. I'm, when I'm going to do my ma- my first match next week, I'm going to suck. You know, <laughs> it's not going to be a great match, but that's going to be my very first match. I have to start somewhere. Right, of course, of course. Well, how does the um, the the fact that you're IFBB pro bodybuilder and you have the physique that you do? How does that play for wrestling? Is that a uh, a big benefit? Well, you know, it looks like I'm going to be a bad guy because <laughs> what else I can do? Right. You, you're a bad guy, definitely. I could have told you yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because the way I built, so I have to do, you know, you know, like aggressive, you know, yelling at people and stuff like that, playing the bad guy. But actually, that's the easiest thing you can do uh-huh. and uh, and you know the best thing you can do because uh, to be a good guy you know, let's say you know John Cena is a good guy but it's not easy to be a good guy because some people are still gonna hate you right it doesn't matter what you do some people are still gonna hate you but if you are a bad guy you don't have to worry about that you know Everybody gonna hate you, and you can say, "Yeah, really, I don't fucking care," you know. So, <laughs> so being a bad guy is easy. I'm sure. I'm sure. Also, acting uh, like a bad guy, being you know, pretending to be a bad guy is easier than pretending to be a good guy. You know what I mean? You can like do whatever yeah, you yeah. want if you're a bad guy. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, <laughs> um, so, you have you have to be you have to, you have to be a prick. You know, <laughs> of course, of course, it's perfect. Um, so, what do you? Uh, what does your training, how does your training change? I mean, I know I see you in the gym. I haven't seen you lately. I haven't been in there that much at that gym. So 
you used to train like a bodybuilder. Are you still training like a bodybuilder or are you doing anything different in the gym? You know, it's, uh, it's always different, you know. Uh, I have workouts when I'm, when I'm trained the same way like I was training for like 13 or 14 years now. But sometimes I'm doing like a circle training to build uh, better stamina. So sometimes I'm doing, you know, supersets, tri-sets, or even giant sets, or, you know, putting together exercises what usually bodybuilders never do. So I would say like, you know, if I do a back workout, I put together three exercises in a tri-set, and then doing some abs, and another ab exercises, then I'm running on the stairs for a couple of more minutes, which is, oh. which is very different, but to build better stamina, because I already knew that before I started wrestling, but when I got into the ring and we started doing, you know, just, you know, beginner matches, I realized it's very different. And, you know, after, you know, a couple of minutes, you're gonna be like, <laughs> you, you can't catch your breath, you know? Yeah, I heard Triple H has uh, has said before, um, I think either to me or maybe in an interview, uh, he said something, maybe he did it with Dave, and he said that people don't realize that what it means to be in wrestling shape. It's different than being yeah. in, in shape in the gym or being able to run for an hour. It's totally different. Yeah, it's very different because your whole body is working. You know, it's it's very similar to other martial arts. Like, you know, I would say I tried uh, Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, yeah, yeah, and it's it's very similar, but it's it's even harder because at the jiu-jitsu usually you are on the mat, you know, and doing uh, different submissions and stuff like that. But in the wrestling, you are not only on the mat; you are running, you are jumping, you are lifting up people and stuff like that. So it's that's the hardest, I would say. Very cool. Well, Steve, I'm looking for. Can we see this video of your first match? Will this be available somewhere? You know, uh, we're going to videotape it, and hopefully I'm going to get it on DVD. So, you know, if I, and if I'm going to have it, I can give it to you. And actually, you know, I was working out uh, many times with uh, Dave Batista, yeah. the ex-WWE superstar, and I just texted him about my uh, first match that's going to have, uh, you know, next uh, Wednesday. Uh-huh. And I told him, you know, I'm going to give him the DVD to watch the match because uh, the president of the school wants me to use Batista's old song for the entrance. Oh, okay. So I'm going to do the same song. (laughs) Uh, Cool, cool. Well, uh, I can tell you people would be interested to see. I'm sure the people on Get Big would love to see your uh, your first match. So if there's any way to get it on YouTube, that would be great. Yeah, I'm, I'll, uh, as soon as I will have the DVD, I'm trying to put it on YouTube, definitely. Awesome. Well, um, Steve, thank you very much for coming on Access Bodybuilding. It is a pleasure as always, and I'm sure I will be seeing you very soon. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, thank you, Steve. Bye. All right, Christina, you know, I said this in the interview, but I want to reiterate it. Um, I like Steve a lot. He's a great guy, and I've had him on the show a bunch of times. I had him on Off Topic back in the day. He had a great line um, in the show, and... Uh, because he has an accent, as you as you heard, um, he told me that he was sick at one of the shows, and um, and like when he was competing, he was getting like sick to the stomach, and um, he told me and Carl, he said, I almost pooped on Putnam, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, what? I was like, what? He's like, I pooped on Putnam, and I was like, 
on Putnam. And I started laughing hysterically. And, I, and so I said, you almost pooped on Peter Putnam? And he goes, he goes, no, no, I almost puked on Peter Putnam. And I was like, oh, because I was imagining. Big, big difference, big was, difference there. I was imagining him on stage, like having to take this huge shit and and like doing like a rear double bicep and turning and being like, oh, I'm about to poop on Putnam. Oh my God. Anyway, anyway it, was, it was a great line. But um, anyway, uh, so I talked to Steve and like he said, like he said, you know, he tried to be a bodybuilder, a pro bodybuilder, his whole life. That was his goal, to be Mr. Olympia, to, to compete in bodybuilding, to be a great bodybuilder. And unfortunately for him, you know, uh, it hasn't, ends have not met. He has not made enough money to support competing. And he's had to basically, he's decided to like, at least temporarily, end that dream. And uh, when I, he told me that originally, um, I was not happy to hear that, you know. But yeah. after this interview, him telling me that he's pursuing another dream, um, Wrestling, which is which he was almost as motivated to do from childhood, watching wrestling in Hungary, the WWF at the time in Hungary. Um, that's pretty cool, you know. I, I, I'm okay with that. Like, I hate to see somebody give up on their dreams, but if they're pursuing another dream, then you know what? That's good. That's good. I'm I, I'm sorry he's leaving bodybuilding behind, but I wish him all the all the success possible in wrestling. Well, we all know that this industry isn't known for paying the the big bucks like we talked about before uh, last week when we talked about this. Um, we're not known for paying the big bucks unless you're one of the you know top five guys. So um, if this is a better move, especially for him financially, I mean, like I said last week, he's got a following already. People know who he is. He could probably have a decent fan base based on that alone to kind of get him started. It's not like he's a nobody, you know, all of a sudden coming into the ring. So I think um, this may be a good thing for him. Yeah, I think I think so. And he's got a look. He's got a different kind of look. Like if you see uh, Steve, you can definitely imagine. You know, he says he's going to be a bad guy. You can definitely imagine him. He's got kind of a swarthy bodybuilder muscle look. He could be like a you know definitely. I could see him being the Hungarian. Uh, I don't know what I have to think of the name. The Hungarian horror or something. You know, I could see that. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Pitch that to him and yeah. see what he says. I just came up with that just on the spot. Pretty good, right? Smooth. Smooth, Aaron. And like Lonnie Teeper comes up with the nicknames. Maybe I should be the new Lonnie Teeper. You should. Let's get that rolling right away. <laughs> um, next on our list, IFBB Grand Prix Los Angeles. And um, this show uh, was, I, I don't want to say... The, the judging was different in the men's physique. Uh, that's the big thing I noticed. The women's physique seems to start to be a little more consistent. Agreed. Uh, yeah, we're starting to see, obviously, uh, Sarah wins again. Sarah uh, Hurl. As they say it, Hurl, right? Hurley. Hurley. God, I keep saying that wrong. That's okay. Um, anyway, uh, I just kick myself. I like to have the names right, Christina. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> so Sarah Hurley, she, um, Hurley liked the, the, the board shorts. I should know that, right? Yes, exactly like the board shorts. Um, Smooth. That go men's physique. Yes. So um, the, the women's physique seems to be like, you know, coming together a little bit. Seems like they're figuring out what they want. The results are not all over the place. When you're the women's, you're the girl's girl. So what do you think? You agree with that? Yeah, I, I think they're kind of starting to send a message of the type of look that they want. Um, however, I still think, you know, just running down the list, I think, you know, second place was Patricia Millo. And um, not very many people really heard of her I don't think I had in before this show and she's she's she was pretty hard in the midsection and the shoulders um you know I think she, I'm sorry she took third place I believe no, um, second, and you're right second I was second okay and then third place um Sabrina Taylor who you know maybe a little bit softer fourth place Karina Nascimento and she was the gal that won the first 
women's physique show. So, you know, she's kind of moving down. She's a little bit leaner, a little harder. And then you've got Stacey McDowell, which I don't think very many people have heard of her. This woman's got a freaking thick ass back. I'm sorry. She is like a, like, she's got a huge, she's got a huge. I liked her too. She was wide. She's got a huge wide back. You look at her. She's like all lats. Yeah, she was you, a bodybuilder, then a fitness competitor, and now ended up women's physique. She's done her a lot of uh, changing around. Yeah, so I think it was a, like a little bit all over the board with the top five, but it wasn't so far-fetched. Um, I think it was a good kind of mixture of girls. Um, and like I said, I think they're kind of sending the message that they want a very feminine, extra, extra feminine look. Um for the top five physique girls, because that's definitely what they got. I mean, all these girls are beautiful. All these girls definitely had nice lines, and they all had very nice presentation. So I think, like I said, judges are sending a message. This is what we want. This isn't maybe necessarily a scaled-down bodybuilder, because none of these girls are really ripped and shredded. They're just not. I agree. Uh, I got to give a big shout out to Sabrina Taylor. That is my buddy, Louis Yardell, the big sexiest girlfriend. So That's right. That's right. And she's hot, I got to say. Just yeah. saying. She did good. She did good. I'm good job, big sexy. She's and that's hot. actually PJ Braun's client. Uh, Braun oh, Fitness nice. client, Sabrina nice. Taylor. So it's all in the family over there with, uh, with them. Um, yeah, uh, I got to also say, Chris Morell, you wanted to know how she was going to do. She plays 12th. Not so good. I know, you know, as soon as Way Chris, big. as soon as Chris had posted um, a photo on Facebook after, after prejudging, you know, I think she kind of knew what her fate was going to be once the callouts came and uh, she's like, you know, well, I, I gave it a shot, you know, I gave women's physique a shot and, uh, you know, now, now we'll see where we go from here, I think is kind of what she said. So I'm going to try to hopefully get an update from her. However, we discussed on Muscle Girls Inc. this week that, you know, Diana brought up a point that once you register with the IFBB in a certain division, you need to stay with in that division for that year until you renew your your pro card status. Really? Are you sure? That's what she said. But I'm going to look this week and see if you are, in fact, able to switch in between. I'm going to look to see if you can switch in between one or the other um, because I'm going to assume that you can. However, that's what she's... I think she's definitely wrong. I don't think Michelle Blank is going to be a women's physique for the rest of the year. I don't think so either, and I'm pretty sure when she got her, when she registered for her pro card, she registered under fitness. So, um, especially with women's physique, I think I think the, uh, the IFBB would want people to switch over, um, even if they've registered for a different different division. That way, they can get more people into these shows um, that you know the 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 promoters are are already paying for. So, um, I'm going to look into that to see if you know she was completely false. What's true? What's not? I love, what, I love Diana Diana Dahlgren, but going for going to her for like uh, those type of things might not be you know no, I, I know, but it was something I didn't think about because when you do register for your pro card, which I have done, you check off which right. division you get. And when you get your pro card, it says you're an NPC bikini competitor. So, um, you know, I don't know if there's certain rules you have to follow in regards to that. We haven't really seen that much within this division because how often do people make switches? Every so often do you see anyone. But now with physique, like nearly everyone is switching over, so you know I'm not really sure what the. You had some Stacy Thompson switched over from uh, figure to well, bikini mid year. You've had Aaliyah Suarez, you've had Jelena Abu, you've had a, a few girls, but no, not at least I know for sure Stacy did that mid year too. So 
Yeah, so I, I think that's somewhat something that I want to find out, um, you know, how strict the rules are going to be, because I'm assuming they're not going to be strict at all if that was ever a rule. Um, but, it, you know, I think a lot of these girls looked great, and um, I think people are starting to be a little happier maybe with um, how they're seeing women's physique turn out with this one. But going back to Chris Morrell, I know, big bummer, she lost like 30 pounds for this one. She pretty much quit training and did a shit ton of cardio and let her body, honestly, she didn't want to jump on a bunch of drugs to kind of get smaller. She even said that on our interview. Um, she said she wasn't going to eat a bunch of T3. She wanted to see how her body was going to come down naturally. I don't even think, I don't think she was lean enough either though. I don't think she was either. And I think this was her just allowing her body to be normal and seeing what normal was supposed to be like for her. And that's what it turned out to be. So um, she, she said it herself. She's never been known for her conditioning in the first place, whether it was bodybuilding or, bodybuilding or physique. But I thought she looked beautiful regardless. But yes, I think still a little too big um, for something like this. I think we're all waiting to see a bigger female bodybuilder really scale down and place well. Wait, Sheila Brown, when she makes her debut, she'll do yeah, that. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, um, you're Okay, uh, men's physique. So this is where the controversy came in place. The top three of the, the previous show, the Governor's Cup, um, was in first place, um, Christianer, Christianer, Matt Christianer. Second place was Alex Carnero. And third place was, I'm trying to remember, uh, Miguel Aguilar. Okay, those were the top three. And this time, um, first place, Matt Christianer, comes in eighth place, um, being beat by several of the guys. Alex Carnero, who's in second place, comes in fifth place. And Miguel Aguilar, who's in third place, beats all those guys and comes in third place again. Just to show there's never certainty, no matter what show you're going into. Keep in mind, these we- only shows are only a couple weeks apart, and these guys right. look identical. I mean, right. uh, even even the, only guy, the, the same guys will tell you, they just maintain their condition. Your immense physique, you're not going to do a lot in a, in a few weeks. You know? I mean, that's like being a bikini competitor. I mean, how, many, how, how much tighter, or even a, a figure competitor, how much tighter, how much leaner can you really get in that amount of time? What, a couple of pounds? Maybe, yeah. if you're lucky. And usually, yeah, like you said, you just really want to maintain. Unless you're, so. unless you're really way off um well yeah unless you're, but these guys weren't way off no, in the first place, no so. actually all the all, i've got to give them credit the men's physique guys who've done these first shows all of them looked good all of them none of them have looked like horrible i've never looked at any of them and been like he is ridiculous he shouldn't be right. there so um the winner of this show I, i'm totally not surprised is mark flex anthony um who i probably could have picked to win his first show sometime last year um, not because, you know, uh, uh, I knew the lineup or anything like that, but he's a good-looking kid. He's got a, a different look, um, and I just knew he's – also, he's Jay Cutler's best friend or, like, partner or, or you know. He's he, he's going to – I just had a feeling he was going to get pushed to the top. So I think we kind of predicted that last week, and it's one of those things, too. The kid's got some tattoos, but it looks good on him, and he can pull off – that different look because usually we see kind of pretty boys to be honest right, right. usually we see pretty boys on he's men's still, physique he's still stage. definitely a pretty boy though. he's a pretty boy but he's got some tats he's got some braids in his hair so it's like alright you at least got some attitude he's, he's you're not edge. just a pretty he's boy he's got edge he's got yeah. edge hey I'm not saying he didn't deserve to win I'm just saying I could have predicted it a long time ago oh no absolutely but I think you know given his look it gives him a something different right. to look at that you don't normally see which kind of does give him the edge over everyone else a little bit Um. so I decided to call uh, Alex Carnero of one of your cohorts at uh, Optimum Nutrition. Yep. And uh, I gave him a call and we talked and I, I basically I wanted to find out his feelings on this whole thing because it has to be disappointing being second and, you know, then coming in fifth, you know, just a few weeks later and having a guy who you beat who was in third 
beat both you and the winner. And, and then a lot of guys that you, like, for example, the, this one guy, Colin Humphrey, who looked good and everything, but he came out of nowhere. I never even heard of him before. I don't even remember him. And uh, he came out of nowhere to get second. Uh, so it was kind of like, you know, and even Ryan Hughes, the Gaspari guy, he's not with Gaspari anymore, by the way, but uh, Gaspari guy, Ryan Hughes, ninth place. And, and I, I thought he looked great. So uh, ninth out of 10, by the way. So that's not too yeah. bad. Right. Um, let's go to uh, Alex Carnero and uh, see what he has to say about this whole thing and uh, how upset or disappointed he is. Okay. Fifth place finisher from this past weekend at the IFBB Grand Prix Los Angeles, Alex Carnero. Alex, how you doing, my friend? Doing great, Aaron. Thanks for asking. Um, just came back from uh, L.A. after a couple of days of shooting and just relaxing. And uh, right now I'm just going to give the body and the mind a little bit of a break um, from two shows back to back and uh, sit back and uh, see where the sport is going to go because right now obviously we can uh, see there isn't a consistency with uh, what they're still looking for yeah I, I want to say that Alex I think you brought a, a really good package to both shows and I, and I got to say looking at the pictures and I think a lot of people echo this um, felt that you would have been a, a lot higher in Los Angeles some people even had you in uh, first and a lot of people had first and second so um, I mean how much did you change? I mean, people saw you, obviously. You got your pro card. It obviously took a long time for everybody because um, of the season. You know, there's no shows to do, no pro shows to do. So um, what did you do to improve your physique from then to now? It's a little bit hard to improve the physique when I had to maintain a low body fat because um, of work with, you know, optimum nutrition and photo shoots and just sort of stay, you know, on top of things in the industry. But I took about six months off where I was actually able to not do any work. And the main thing with physique was I, you know, we're bounded to what's, how much size we can add. We can't add that much size because then they're going to start looking at, at us like, you know, pro body, sorry, like body. Builders. So what I wanted to add was three dimensionality and muscle structure to my entire my entire frame, so that every single muscle um, belly would be more rounded and not look bigger, but just look more three dimensional and get, give the illusion of being bigger without having to add too much weight. Right. So let's let's go back to the first show of the year, the first very the very first men's physique pro show of the year, and you came on, got on stage. You did very well. How did you place? On that show, I placed second. So you had to feel like you made improvements and the judges appreciated it and uh, things were moving in the right direction, right? Absolutely. I mean, I got my pro card uh, after five shows back-to-back at 179 and I stepped on stage um, a month ago at the Governor's Cup at 191. So I had an excellent um, off-season and I also had an excellent um cutting phase so that I was able to maintain all the muscle structure and then now for the uh, Grand Prix which was this past week you know it was 188 so between those two shows I lost about 4 pounds of weight that I thought I had to lose to look a little bit tighter and look a little bit more um, a little bit drier okay so let's bring it to the uh, Grand Prix Los Angeles you place 5th um, the I'll go through the lineup a little bit. Obviously, you got Mark uh, Flex Anthony, who uh, won the show. But all the guys that were in the top three, Matt Christianer, who won the show, uh, your first show, uh, the Governor's Cup, you went second. And uh, and then um, what was the, the other guy was... Um, uh, Miguel. Miguel, who came in third here. So the first place guy is relegated all the way to eighth. You're put in fifth. Miguel stays in third. Uh, then you see like uh, Colin Humphrey and then Mark. Obviously, this is his first show, so we didn't know how he would do. 
Uh, and then your buddy Ryan Hughes, this guy's a ninth out of ten. Uh, what do you think when you when, when the show is over? What are the first emotions that go through your mind? I mean, obviously, you know, like any true competitor, you don't want to. You know, you're training to be the best, and you're training for first. You're not training for second or anything else. You know, you're always keeping that eye and mindset on being first. So fifth place, I mean, everyone says it's great to always stay out, stay on the first call, out on the first lineup because it is a new sport, and you know, there's going to be new competitors being thrown in. And, you know, it's the, it's, you know, very subjective sport. It, it depends on the eye of the judge. And, you know, the judges were all new this at this show. Um, you know, what I felt was that they had told me that I was a little bit too dry, which, you know, based on the previous show, the first show was what they were looking for, a tighter look. Obviously, you, you can see Matt Fisher. He's got amazing conditioning. He's, you know, got a lot of three-dimensionality. So, obviously, the intention of any competitor is to look like the person who won not to go any other way, any other direction. So I think that a lot of the competitors from the Governor's Cup um, that walked into the Grand Prix walked with the mindset of we had to be tighter, we had to be um, a little bit drier um, to look like Matt Christian did. And you know, obviously that was exactly not the look that they were looking out for the Grand Prix. So we got very, you know, confused. In fact, you know, Mark Anthony and Colin had not done any other rim physique shows. So they didn't have much of a standard that they wanted to look like. They just brought what they thought, you know, would look best. And in this case, it was rewarded because obviously, you know, they, they were softer than Matt Christian and I and, and Matt Christian and I and, uh, you know, Bobby um, and Ryan Hughes. I mean, Ryan Hughes was supposed to be battling with me and Matt for that first spot. And, you know, unfortunately, Ryan Hughes made, you know, last call out. So, you know, I'm not happy with it, but, you know, I am grateful to be uh, a pro and in this new upcoming sport. Um, let's talk about the um, what this means judging-wise. Um, the judges in the first show obviously like the bigger, rounder, harder physique, um, like uh, yourself and uh, Matt Christianer. This show, obviously, they send the message they don't like that. What does that mean to a competitor? I mean, where does your mindset go for the next show? Um, <laughs> what, a, what do you do from question. there? It's a great question. Um, honestly, I don't think you can do much because it's the first show they're looking for tighter, and then the second show they're looking for softer. What are we looking at the third show? Something in between those two looks? I mean, it's very hard to really truly know what you're looking for. The best advice is to simply bring the best package that you are. And, you know, obviously stay within the guidelines of what men's physique is. I mean, in women's physique, we know that if you come in too tight and too muscular, then you're going to be demarked. Even though those aren't officially rules in our division, we truly understand now that, you know, there is there's a, a specific look to this men's physique category. You know, you can't be too hard or extremely hard. You can't be too big. Um, but obviously, if you're too small, then, you know, so there are guidelines that, even though they're not exactly specified in the, in the ISPB and the APC, that a competitor should have in mind. I mean, for a third show, I mean, it's going to be everyone's guess. I mean, whoever wins there, um, it's still not going to set up a set point. I personally believe it's going to take about one or two years for the men's physique division to really, you know, find a face for itself. Um, I don't know if you ever watched the uh, wrap-ups that we do at RX Muscle, but Dave did a wrap-up of the show uh, with PJ Braun and Ruth Silverman, and they were literally, they were literally relegated to talking about whose haircut was the best and critiquing haircuts because they didn't know what else to critique at that point. Exactly, because there isn't much to critique about. I mean, what are they going to talk about? I mean, honestly, you know, if we don't know what they're looking for, so we, you know, Dave and PJ can't really say, you know, that's this is the look they were looking for. Um, you know, it's a little bit weird that 
instead of talking about the physique, they were talking about hair. <laughs> um, I guess the next the next subject would be board shorts. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, physique should be judged, be judged right now by by um, the truly of the bodies that are being brought on stage. And I know that Dave and, and PJ are, um, you know, they don't they don't keep stuff to themselves. They they say what they, they have in mind, and uh, that's what makes you know RX great. Is you know they they speak for the for the people and um you know it, it's. I'm not gonna answer that question with, with an answer. I'm just gonna actually answer that question with a question. If, if they're talking about hair, then you know, are those top guys really deserving to be there? Right. Um, okay. My uh, my next question, my la- my final question, um, and, and uh, I'll leave you with this: um, Where do you think the physique division? Where will what will the physique look like in three years? That is the men's physique that they are looking for or where do you hope it will look what do you hope it will look like and what do you think it will look like if they're different I mean every, every single sport in the NPC and the IFB has evolved to a different look after a couple of years you know bikini is, is an exact replica of this uh, fitness and figure are exactly the same even bodybuilding if you truly think about it you know when it began to what really it is today um, physique is obviously going to have an evolution um, what it exactly will be I don't know what I will want it to be would be, you know, somewhat athletes who are very lean and not not extremely shredded, but just very, very lean where you can get single muscle structure. Um, perhaps I would, love, I would like to see a little bit of some mandatory poses for us so that, you know, we can actually show a little bit more, um, a little bit more that we work for. I mean, with, with bodybuilding, you're trying to show 12 mandatory poses that, make a distinction in each body with physique. I mean, honestly, we're all just keeping our abs tight. And, you know, it would be it would be nice if, if we had a little bit of some mandatory poses. Um, within, obviously, the standard of what physique is, you know, it's not bodybuilding. The judges um, have clearly made that aware of. And it, it, it shouldn't be bodybuilding. It, you know, it's a whole new sport. All right, Christina. Um, so Alex uh, was understandably disappointed by it. And, uh, his image of what the men's physique, Mr. Olympia, will look like in a few years. I think that's a. I think that's a good image. You know, my opinion on um, what men's physique should look like has changed slightly. My my old, my old thing was like I always said that I, it should be attainable, but not easily attainable. And um, these guys in the pro division um, so far are pretty much meeting that. You know, they're not quite as big as I would like to see. I wouldn't mind them being a little bit more muscular. But my new my new definition. This is what this is what I'd like to see. I'd like to see these guys. You know. They can be handsome and all that, pretty boys, but I want them their physiques to look dangerous. Like they're athletic. Like they, you don't want to meet this pretty boy in an alley because he'll beat the shit out of you. You know what I mean? Yes, yes, I, I agree. I want to see a gladiator. I want to see an American gladiator up there. Not a <laughs> they may be, They may be too big though. I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> I, I want them to be like gladiators. I want them to go to battle. That's what I'm talking about. In board shorts. <laughs> Are you going to be that gladiator, Aaron? Are you going to be that man to do that? I don't. I don't know. I just might, Christina. I'm waiting. Um, we'll see. I, I'll leave. I have no announcements right now. I, okay. It's going to be a long time till I compete, but um, I would like to see. Honestly, I wouldn't mind seeing a guy who is uh, you know six feet tall, be two thirty, two twenty five on stage, because as long as there is a difference between no matter what they look like there is a difference between bodybuilders and men's physique because they're not flexing so you are never going to see the details that you see in a bodybuilder in a men's physique guy because if you're not flexing nothing is popping you know i, don't I, care. Th- I think these guys are still flexing well they shouldn't be then they shouldn't be huge and ripped 
not huge, very big and ripped. And, uh, you know, six, let's put it this way, a six foot tall, 225 pound guy is not going to be any kind of pro bodybuilder or even any kind of good bodybuilder at all. It's way too skinny. But True. it's way bigger than men's physique is right now. You know, I was 211 at 6'2", and they told me I was too big. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'd like to – the guys who are really good right now are like 190 and 6 foot. I'd like to see 30 more pounds on them because that's still in between bodybuilding. You know, that's not a bodybuilder. Well, now you're, you're borderline where bodybuilding and women's physique come in. They don't, just don't want someone that big. They don't want to border on, on the bigger. They want to border on the smaller, I think. You know what? And I, they're, they're aiming both physiques. I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm just saying, unfortunately, it looks like they're yeah, leaning towards a smaller side of both divisions, unfortunately, and not letting there be room for people to add much more muscle. You and, know what I mean? And from, the, and from these last shows, it looks like they're even, this last show, it looks like they're looking for even softer than the first show. I liked um, Matt, Matt Christensen or Christianer, I was like, wow, he looks good. Very yeah. lean cut. He was round. Like, like, uh, like they says, like Alex says in the interview, he was 3d and that, and that's good. I want to see the round uh, muscle bellies and that really hard conditioning. But what I'd like to see more is Matt Christensen with Christianer with 20 more pounds because he's still not going to be a bodybuilder and, uh, he's still certainly not going to be a good bodybuilder. Yeah. He could probably win a novice show, uh, at a, uh, or maybe even a state level, uh, light heavyweight. So who cares? He's still not any kind of bodybuilder. He's not going to go forward in bodybuilding at that size. I'd like to be able to see these guys be able to continue to grow. When you talk to Alex, you know, what can he do to be better? Nothing, right. nothing. Well, yeah, and, and I think a lot of us would like it to be more than just a nice set of abs. You want there to be some, you know, a, a nice chest. You want to, and that's what kind of Matt Christianer has about him. He has like a thicker chest, do, and that's do, what kind of makes him stand out next to the other do guys. Do the tights, do the tight shorts, then you can look at their butt and their legs and everything else, you know? Yes, yes. <laughs> that was a little gamey, Christina, but I, <laughs> I have to say, you know, that would add a different dimension to this thing. Yeah. I, I, I definitely think so. I think you'd, you know, maybe look at these guys a little different when you realize that they don't have legs, some of them, and you may respect the ones that do and may reward them a little bit more because you know they're just, you know, not an Abercrombie-type model that they actually do work out their entire body and they, they they love the industry for what it is. They love bodybuilding. It's just unfortunate that they're not big enough for bodybuilding. However, they are still, you know, uh, in the process of bodybuilding their entire body, not just, you know, they want some tight abs upper for their body girlfriend. Building. Upper body yeah. building. <laughs> yeah, because that's, because that's not what this sport was designed for. That's not what this industry is designed for. Coming from, you know, a bikini girl who I look completely different than Iris Kyle who paved the way for us, but still, um, you know, you need to know that these guys are, you know, training their, their entire body. It'd be different if they let us come out in like a pencil skirt and, you know, a, a bikini top on. Well, we just wouldn't be judged on that because you don't know if we've got a nice set of legs and a nice ass or not. Right. I want to ju- judge these guys in the same criteria we are. So. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I definitely agree with that. And I, I think that, you know, is um, the men's physique is even newer than women's physique as far as the pro division goes. So sure. it'll continue to develop. I know Alex wanted to see some some posing put in there. And you know what? I don't think that's impossible. I know they're they're pretty dead set against it right now. But throwing into some mandatory like Frank Zane kind of poses, that could be a great thing. That would definitely be something I'd be interested in. So um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's all still developing. Um, Christina, this has been an actually this will end up being maybe our longest access bodybuilding because (laughs) uh, we have a long long interview now with uh, with Dennis Weiss. Um, who is a friend and coworker, uh, colleague of Robert Kennedy, uh, Bob Kennedy, the publisher of Muscle Mag, uh, Oxygen, and many other titles. 
and author of many books, uh, some of which he's written with Dennis Weiss. And uh, he, unfortunately, we talked about his health. He did pass uh, the last week. And, um, you know, I thought that it would be important to try to get somebody who knew Bob um, as well as possible to come on and say a little about about him and give us kind of a, a view into the man. You know, I, I met him before and uh, I talked to him a little bit. I certainly didn't know him. Um, you know, yeah. Dave has met him a few times. He doesn't really know him. So um, I thought it was important to get somebody like Dennis on the show. And Dennis gives us insight into working with him and knowing him personally. And also gives us an insight into bodybuilding. Dennis has been bodybuilding uh, since the, like the 50s or the 60s. So uh, he, he kind of gave us an insight into a bunch of things. He, and he lives in the middle of nowhere in Alaska. So I, I thought that was kind of interesting, too. Yeah, no, that, that's cool. You get a different perspective, you know, maybe on um, Robert Kennedy's life that not a lot of us would have ever, you know, had the opportunity to hear about. Yeah. Um, and there's one really interesting story I want to encourage people to listen about um, Robert Kennedy asking Ben Weeder for help and Ben Weeder providing a lifeline to Bob Kennedy. I don't want to give away the story, but it was the most uh, interesting and surprising story uh, of everything that Dennis told me. So, Christina, that ends Access Bodybuilding for this week. Um, as always, you can reach Christina at C R I S T I N. What is it? <laughs> you always put throw, throw the T and A in there. I was waiting for C R I S T I N A at rxmuscle.com. Or if you want to get on uh, air with Muscle Girls, Muscle Girls Inc. at rxmuscle.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at sign Muscle Girls Inc. And my name X at sign Christina Voynich as well. I gotta say, you're creeping up on me on the Twitter followers. I'm not liking this. I don't know where this came from. I think I'm over. I'm over two thousand, right? Yeah, you're. I think you're at twenty five hundred. I'm, I'm, I'm at like uh, 2,900 or something. And I'm not even a Twitter whore. I'm hardly ever on there. So, Aaron, like, come on. It's because you're a hot chick. That's all it is. <laughs> that, is hot chick. that is true. That is definitely true. I get to ask, though, what happens, what happens when I get married? Like, do I got to get a whole new Twitter name? I can tell. No. Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think. He'll understand. I mean, Just checking. No, I think maybe you can change the title. You can't change the name. Uh, you can change. No, you can change the name. You, what is your at sign? Is it at sign? It, yeah, it's Christina Voynich. That's what it is. And then, but it comes up as your name, Christina. You can change your name. Your oh, you can name change my name. Name. To, okay. Yeah, to Christina Libertori, but you uh, you can't Give change the at sign deal. I'm just happy, ladies and gentlemen, that I get to not be the very last girl on stage at every single IFBB. Yeah, yeah, this it's is a great for you. In the middle, so uh, you guys all listening will be the first ones to hear of a date, um, potential date, or blah, blah, blah that we have planned. So. Well, I can tell you something here, that when you get married, say goodbye to all those followers. Once they know, if you put it on there on Twitter, Miss Mike Libertori on there, and you put his little at sign in your bio, you can kiss them goodbye. Also, if you put that on your Facebook page, Forget about your fans. Darielle actually has lost fans and subscribers <laughs> since she got engaged to me. I think this is because they don't like you. See, people like... Oh, my- no, no, oh. no, no. They're going to see that big meathead, that big handsome Italian guy, and they're going to say, fuck this. Say, I, guess, I guess we'll see what happens. It'll, it'll be the, the battle of the Jews and the Italians, I think. Well, I'm, I'm technically I'm winning. I'm beating, I'm beating the other Jew. You got it. Yeah. All right, um... <laughs> Christina, I am, uh, as always, you can reach me, Jubak at rxmuscle.com or at sign Aaron Sangerman. Help me make sure that I stay ahead of Christina Voynich, that's for sure. So please follow me. And guys, I'm a hot chick and I post uh, half. Gonna be married. Gonna be married. <laughs> but I'm not, so until then, get all you can get. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, I, I suggest definitely. If you're following her already, you should unfollow her. Just show her you're dissatisfied with the hell her. Off, let's close this show, Aaron. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Fusion Bodybuilding makes bodybuilding's strongest supplements, and they're committed to giving back to you. Fusion Bodybuilding not only want to promote the bodybuilding lifestyle, but they also want to help build the sport. Bodybuilding is all they do. It's their obsession. You know the feeling. That's why you're here. Visit Fusion Bodybuilding at FusionBodybuilding.com or join in on the conversation on the Fusion Bodybuilding fan page on Facebook where you'll find IFBB Pro Q&As, contest giveaways, and nothing but in-depth bodybuilding talk. Fusion Bodybuilding. Bodybuilding's strongest supplements. Head over to FusionBodybuilding.com today. Myotropics Physique Nutrition is the most exciting supplement company to come along in decades. That's because Myotropics isn't just another company. It's the brainchild of iconic metabolic expert, Dr. Scott Connolly, the inventor of the original body recomposition product that changed the industry and allowed millions of people to get in the best shape of their life. And CEO Vince Andrich, author of the groundbreaking Physique Athlete Guide. Myotropics flagship product, Physique 2.0, contains their exclusive Meta Effects Amino CD protein compound that maximizes whole body protein economy, your personal linchpin for gaining and retaining the most muscle while also shedding maximum body fat. Plus, Physique 2.0 contains the world's first legitimate fat-burning carbohydrate, Meta Effects FAO-CHO, for full hard muscle and increased fat burn. If you live to develop the ultimate physique, go with Myotropics, real people that live to develop physique nutrition. Go to Myotropics.com. It's your body. It's your art. Master it. Myotropics.com. Hydrolyze Ultra, the leader in cellular hydration water. Hydrolyze Ultra water has been designed by shrinking and reshaping molecules to allow a faster and more sustained delivery into your cells. Our cellular water has gone through a magnetism and laser treatment process, along with adding electrolytes to our special ingredients. This allows all nutrients to be absorbed at a maximum cellular state. By using Hydrolyze Ultra, all nutrients, supplements, and carbohydrates you consume will be absorbed at a greater rate. Lactic acid gets flushed faster, and you'll feel fully hydrated. Get the advantage that top athletes have achieved. Try Hydrolyze Ultra today. Visit HydrolyzeUltra.com. That's HydrolyzeUltra.com. RxMuscle.com. Now you have a place to turn when you want the truth on bodybuilding, diet, and exercise, up-to-the-minute news, and more. Visit the RxMuscle.com forums featuring celebrity Q&As with IFBB professional athletes, top amateurs, and the brightest minds in the industry. Listen to our weekly radio shows, including Heavy Muscle Radio, Muscle Girls Inc., After Hours, and more. Contest coverage, videos, even our own social networking site, Rx Muscle Place. Visit RxMuscle.com. Welcome back to Access Bodybuilding, and this week we have on none other than Dennis Weiss. Dennis uh, got to know Bob Kennedy through the years by working with him, co-authoring books with him, and he's kind of coming on to lend a hand to kind of tell us, working with him at Muscle Mag, to what the man was like. Um, welcome to the show, Dennis. Thank you very much, Aaron. I'm pleasure to be on. Thank you. Thank you very much. You know, the truth of the matter is that a lot of people have seen uh, Bob's work, whether it be books or uh, Muscle Mag or Oxygen or any of his other magazines. But um, and, and, and some of us, like myself, are lucky enough to have met him. But um, I really don't know much about him personally. So I thought you would be great to come on the show. Uh, somebody you've been working with um, him for how many years? 27. 27 years. So it's it's fair to say that you have uh, you uh, had a good relationship with him. You knew him well. Most definitely. Pro- knew him as well as 
some of my own family members. Wow. Um, well, first of all, before we get going, just give me an overview. What kind of guy uh, was Bob Kennedy? Bob Kennedy was a man that had great compassion for the sport of bodybuilding. And the thing I liked about him was that he was very open-minded. He was never closed-minded about training protocols or nutrition. He, he wasn't what you would call a dogmatic person, i.e. Mike Menser. You remember how he was with his sure. heavy-duty training, and that right. was the only way to train, blah, blah, blah. Right, I do. It was that way with Bob Kennedy. So he was, he was open-minded to different ideas. Oh, most definitely. Um, when did you originally meet uh, Bob, or how did you originally get involved with him? Okay, let me give you a little prelude to how I actually met him, and this might seem kind of funny, but in 1967, I was living in Miami, Florida, actually in Hialeah, uh-huh. and I became friends with a man named Donnie Hale, and he became my mentor in training. Now here's 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 the funny part. I lived down in, down there for like a year, and when I left, within probably four months, Bob Kennedy also moved to Miami from the United Kingdom, and met up with my mentor Donnie Hale. Isn't that kind of ironic, Aaron? Yeah, that, that would happen. Crazy. That's kind of that's kind of how we crossed paths unknowingly to each other. We were that close. I think we were like. Four, four months apart, maybe, from me leaving Miami and him coming in. Wow. And so as the years went on, 1976, I began writing for Iron Man magazine. And Bob Kennedy, of course, in 1974, began Muscle Mag. And he actually followed my writings in Iron Man magazine. And around 1981, I had published a small book through Iron Man Magazine called Special Advice to the Bodybuilder and there was a cover of Chuck Sipes on the cover bending a a steel rod in his mouth doing a strongman act and I got a letter from Bob Kennedy and never really contacted him before but I had had the publisher send a copy of that book I just mentioned to him over at Muscle Mag and he wrote me back a letter and said that he was shocked that I would use a photo of his on the cover of a book without asking and of course I had a rebuttal reply back that I'm out of the mainstream of bodybuilding living in Ketchikan, Alaska I had no idea what the cover was going to be and didn't in fact see the cover until I received a copy of the book and then that was kind of the end of our conversation via letters where there wasn't internet back then (laughs) and so then about four years later 1985 I get a call from Bob Kennedy, and we're talking on the phone. And he said how he liked, you know, how he liked those books, and he was glad that, you know, we that I was we were able to resolve our little issue with the photo. And then he said, if you ever want to write a book, uh, you know, um, give me a call. And so I said thank you for the offer and hung up the phone. And then I'm going, holy smokes, man. I better call this guy back. <laughs> so I called him back, and I said, well, you know, what do you have in mind? And he kind of outlined in a letter, and I have the, I have the letter to this day, what that would entail, and that would entail getting a major book publisher, and because he'd already written a few books, that he would be able to swing those doors open to the publisher's office, and it went on from there. 
and we wrote our first first book, Mass, that was published by Contemporary Books, 1986, and that went on to sell nearly 100,000 copies. Wow. And from then on, I began writing articles for Muscle Mag, and then later later on, uh, Reps Magazine, which has only been out for a few years, I'd, I'd write the articles, and then from 1991 through 1996, I was the ghostwriter for the Ask Bob column, which was his column in Muscle Mag. I was the ghostwriter for the Vince Gironda Wild Physique column and for John Grimmick's column as well. So Bob Kennedy had me doing all these different things and nobody ever figured out that I was the ghostwriter because I take on the persona of the person that I'm going to ghostwrite for. Did you ever have the the occasion to go to uh, Canada and go to the headquarters and uh, see Bob in his home setting? Never, never went over there, no. Because uh, Alaska, I guess where you're located, how, how, how far a trip is that for you? Well, actually, it'd be pretty expensive because it's where he lives over in uh, Montreal. It's oh. it's over on the East Coast. It would only be, I think, like an hour flight from New York, but it would be it would be pretty major. And for today, by today's standards, I'd have to have a passport to get in. Of course, I guess anybody would course, get yeah. Canada today, but. No, it would have been logistically not feasible to do that. So at that time, you were corresponding most of the time with him through letters then? Letters, faxes, and hours and hours on the phone. When he just had muscle mag, he he would call me up probably three, four times a week, and we'd chat for like, I, I guess, probably the record. Well, actually, the record with talking with him was recently when we had our new book come out, Huge and Freaky Muscle Mass Secrets, and we talked for like almost six hours on that occasion, but early on, yeah, in the early years, he was frequently available, and I wasn't the only one, Aaron, there was other people that he would talk to, I mean, if you, probably if you called him up, he would have taken your phone call too, it wasn't one of these things where it was a status symbol if you were proven or not, it was, uh, he was just, he was very open to people. You know how some people are approachable and other people aren't approachable? Well, he was these type of people where anybody could walk up to him and introduce themselves, and, and he would be just like a friend. So, Bob, um, you, you would say that Bob was still interested in bodybuilding and building muscle. May, may, I don't know about, was he interested in training himself, or was it did his interest carry on to bodybuilding industry even to the end here? Oh, you're talking about him training his himself or training other people? I, got, I, got, I guess it's a two-part question. Uh, I'm okay. interested in knowing uh, about his own training. If he was, I mean, obviously, you know, due to illness, I'm sure he wasn't doing anything at the, towards the end here, but was he somebody who stayed in, I know Joe Weider, for example, you know, uh, into his 80s, I, may, I don't know what he's doing these days, but I know he was trying to go to the gym and exercise. Was Bob still doing that? And then on the other hand, was he still interested in learning more about uh, building muscle and about uh, competing in general? Well, most definitely. He competed early on in it, in his career. Nothing big. It wasn't like he was entering the Nabra Mr. Universe or something like that, but he uh, competed in smaller shows, and he was also an avid arm wrestler. Hmm. And I always used to, like, kid around with him, told him, you know, I'd like to, you know, have a go at him for <laughs> arm wrestling, but we never had the occasion to do something like that. But he could do, you know what the flag is, Aaron, where a person grabs onto a, a pole uh-huh. And they go vertical with their whole body. Uh, I've seen it. Yes, I can't do that, but yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, I, he was able to do that frequently, and he, just impromptu. You could, 
you could I've talked to people that know him and they said you could just say hey Bob about doing the flag and so he'd do the flag <laughs> but I think he he was deceptively strong I think for the way he looked because when you look at him in clothes he doesn't look like he would necessarily be that strong but looks are deceiving sometimes but he had a good physique and yeah he he trained uh, frequently and even up to the past few years they the muscle mag headquarters has a gym i think on the first floor and, and uh, did, so uh, that's, that's good i'm glad to hear that um did uh did you ever have occasion to talk to him about bodybuilding you know now and like the current era how did he feel about uh bodybuilding as a sport and how it's where it's headed as of right now not too much we talked we talked probably more about training protocols than anything else but then again i'm going to retract that a little bit and say that yeah bob was more of the what you would call the old school physiques different things like that like myself i enjoyed the physiques from the 60s and 70s because each each bodybuilder that was in the pro ranks was defined you could stick a gunny sack over their head and you go, okay, this is Dave Draper. Oh yeah, no problem, this is Sergio Oliva. This is Arnold Schwarzenegger, this is Franco Colombo. There was no problem and to, with today's physiques, a lot of times, Aaron, it's like you stick the gunny sack over their head and it's pretty hard to tell with some of these guys that are out there because they all have kind of uh, similar physiques in a certain way. Hey, well, Nothing add- that really defines them. So, Dennis, if, if let me ask it to you because you've been around for quite a while and been interested in, in bodybuilding for many years. What do you think the the future of the sport holds if it keeps heading in this direction? I mean, I, it sounds like you don't you don't like the look of these guys. What do you think? Uh, what do you think that this will turn into? I just I think you're going to see in less and less uh, interest by the public. The only people you're going to see are the people that that are maybe related to the top bodybuilders. You know, and some of their friends, because very few of these bodybuilders today can get out there and and promote promote the sport very well. I think Jay Cutler does a pretty good job, but gee, he's still he's still not Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's for doggone sure. Yeah, that that's true. I wonder about that sometimes. I, I certainly hope that's not true, but uh, you know, we definitely need a new a new Arnold Schwarzenegger out there. That would be great. Well, if you think about it, Aaron, back in 1949, John Carl Grimmick, who was called a, called the monarch of musclemen, did a posing exhibition, and if I'm not mistaken, I can't remember where it was, and we'd probably have to check with our buddy Randy Roach to yeah. figure this one out. Randy's kind of like the, yeah. you know, yeah, he's kind of like the guru of. Yeah. Uh, Historians for bodybuilding these days. Yeah, he is. But I, I, I thought that John Grimmick posed in front of forty thousand people. Wow! But I don't know if that was like at a baseball game or whatever. So that's pretty incredible. It, yeah, it is because this was like 1950, 1949. So, and you don't see that today. And in fact, back in the, I believe in the. Oh, let's see. In the 1960s, a, a bodybuilder named Val Vasilov, who was a Mr. American, Mr. Universe, he actually did a posing exhibition at a baseball, a professional baseball game, and you wouldn't see that today. <laughs> no, no, you definitely wouldn't. You definitely, hey, definitely wouldn't. Yeah, here comes Phil Heath out onto the field. I don't <laughs> think. It's just a different era then, Aaron. That's 
kind of the way it is. More ex- definitely I, more accepted, I, that's for sure. Yep, definitely. What I call a golden era isn't what you would probably call the golden era. Probably the golden era for you would be uh, you're, you're in your 30s, is that correct? Yeah, yeah that's right. Okay, you'd probably say 1990s or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But that would, yeah. I mean, that's when, if I look back, that is definitely the golden era as far as personalities and uh, quality physiques of of my era, at least, you know? Mm Mm-hmm, sure. Um, Let me ask you about the magazine. Um, Magazines in general, print magazines in general, uh, they're not doing real well right now. And and Muscle Muscle Mag is not an exception to that. Um, What do you think the future is for the magazine? Um, Bob's, I guess it's, you know, part of Bob's legacy, so... Oh, for his magazine? Yeah. I think it's probably going to go digital text media, and that's kind of where it's headed right now, and I believe Iron Man is kind of taking that route because it, it it's just much cheaper to do it that way. Mm-hmm. The price of paper, having newsstands take it, I, I just see it going digital. It'll be a lot better that way, and probably the money that comes in will come into the magazines a lot faster because of... A magazine has done a media print today, and let's say put out the July issue. When that July issue hits the newsstand, it's about four to six months before the money comes in for the magazine. Yeah. And you, so you don't really know how well the magazine sells. I know that that in some states, the southern states, if you put a black, at least it used to be this way, if you put a black bodybuilder on the cover in some states it'd sell 20% less yeah I remember hearing that back in the day yeah Um, you told me one very interesting story that I want to talk about um, that I had no idea the relationship that Bob uh, Kennedy Robert Kennedy had with uh, Ben Weeder and you actually told me a story about um, about Ben actually kind of bailing out Bob can you can you give me the details of that it was just Bob told me in a phone conversation one day. He said, I have, I'm have i having some financial problems with the flow of the uh, financial uh, flow of the magazine. And he said that um, he had to enlist Ben Weeder's help to co-sign on a loan for that at that particular time. And that's kind of what Bob was still making the payments. But I guess the bank looked at it and said, well, hey, if we're going to give you the loan. We got to have somebody that's kind of strong financially to co-sign with you. And wh- why do you think uh, Ben did that? You know, I, I mean, uh, I know Ben was very well off and everything, but I guess kind of, I mean, uh, I mean to lesser degree or, or, or greater degree, Robert Kennedy was his competition. Maybe I think that maybe it was more of Joe being the competition as far as having the magazine, and Ben was more corporate and trying to introduce bodybuilding around the world. So you feel like maybe Ben would have it would have been a, a loss. Ben would have felt like it would have been a loss for bodybuilding to to lose. Almost definitely, yeah, right. yeah. And I've never I've never talked to Ben actually. He came through town here on a cruise ship because the cruise ships come into Ketchikan were the first port of call. <laughs> and I di- I didn't see him when he came in. This was about eight ten years ago, and I would have loved to talk to him because. He, he was always very good about answering faxes that I would send over to him, and he was a busy guy. Yeah, but yeah. An, here's another example of a person that's very. Uh, some people said he was aloof, but I never found him to be that way in the in the letters. No. That, 
exchange back and forth. I would have loved to have talked to him, and it's a shame. You know, it's a shame I got into this so late because I, I lost opportunity, unfortunately, to talk to some of these people, which is a shame. But uh, I've heard good things about him. You know, he's a tough businessman. You know, when you're a billionaire, you got to be a pretty tough businessman to get to be a billionaire, right? Definitely. Um, you know, so this is a little bit off topic, but uh, I have to ask you, since you live all the way out there, what's the name of the city you live in in Alaska? <laughs> Ketchikan, Alaska, K-E-T-C-H-I-K-A-N. You can go into a Google search and you can actually take a little uh, Volkswagen bus or something like that that goes down the road and it'll show you all the streets, Aaron. Wow. Can you? Wh- what made you move there? Or have you? Were you born and raised there? I'm kind of like Bob Kennedy was when he went from Austria over to the UK. He was like a few months old and really didn't have much say about it. And I was like under two years old and I didn't have much say about where my parents brought me. And and you stayed there your whole life? Definitely, yeah, except for a few years in Charlotte, North Carolina. And then, of course, when I was 20 years old, I'd mentioned being down in Miami, Florida for a year. And that was kind of because I wanted to like see what the other part of the world is like yeah where it's like i mean i don't know is it cold there i guess in the summer in alaska it's not that bad right no we we're kind of like uh ketchikan alaska is like the rain capital of the world oh even better cold Uh, and rainy (laughs) yep we get probably uh, i bet you this year we're going to hit probably 210 inches of rain that would put tampa underneath by a few feet (laughs) yeah yeah it definitely would it definitely would what, and it's cold there too, right? I mean, it's Alaska; it must be. It, it it does get cold. I think it was. I think the weather. I think this global warming thing is kind of good. I wished it would have happened in the seventies <laughs> when I was competing for bodybuilding, powerlifting, and arm wrestling events because I would train sometimes in a unheated shed <laughs> at five above zero with just a three M dust mask on my face and a couple of layers of uh, warm up suits. So let me one more question about Alaska. Is this sure. the kind of place? Is this where you're at? Is this the um, in the winter? Uh, does it like stay dark most of the day? No, if you've got to you've got to go up by Fairbanks for that to okay. happen. We do have short days where it might not get daylight until maybe eight o'clock in the morning, but it'll stay daylight until like three in the afternoon or four. But up in Fairbanks, way up north, it they might only get like. Sometimes I don't even think they get an hour of sunshine. But then during during the summer, of course, they're daylight almost twenty four seven. So wow. that's the difference. Wow, that's that's pretty amazing. Um, well, let's see. Um, you know, I just I want to tell you, Dennis, I really really appreciate you coming on. Do you have any last words um, about uh, about Bob Kennedy or anything else you'd like to say? Well, it was just uh, it was just a shame that he had to pass on. As soon as he did, he was 74 years old. And in fact, it's such a shame. I was telling somebody tonight, I said, isn't it a shame that Bob Kennedy is not going to see how well the release of his newest book is going to do? He just uh, has a book coming out called Bullseye, and it's about the becoming an entrepreneur and the successes and failures of, of that type of venue. And that I got to say one thing else about Bob Kennedy. For the different adversity that he had financially and personally, that guy was the most resilient person I have ever met in my life, Aaron. Wow. 
just amazing. That guy, you know, there's kind of a saying that goes like this, that success is getting up one more time than you're knocked down. Right. And he, as much as people would say, man, I'd love to be like Bob Kennedy, he had some financial and some very personal tragedies that happened in his life. And just resilient. Resilient. He was the type of guy, Aaron, that when he called me up, it could be raining outside, and I'd get the call from Bob Kennedy, and he always called me Denny, and he'd say, hey, Denny, how's it going? And it could be blowing 50 miles an hour out and raining, and I'm telling you, Aaron, this guy, it was like it was sunshine and out when I got him on the phone. Uh, that's nice. Um, you mentioned uh, that he had some troubles earlier on in his life. Didn't he lose a child to illness at some point? Actually, it was. this was very sad when his son Braden was about nine, nine or ten years old. He was riding downtown Toronto with Bob, and somehow the car flipped and landed on top of him, and he was in a coma for like the last 17 years of his life. Mm. And he just passed away recently. Yes, he did, yeah. And so, you know, so sad because his son passes away and then just maybe less than almost a year later, then he passes away. And it was so so sudden because I remember I remember the day of the Arnold Classic and I had a friend of mine that was working a booth and I told her, I said, hey, go over to the the Muscle Mag booth and introduce yourself to Robert Kennedy. And this friend of mine emails me back and she says, Dennis, she says, Robert isn't here and Tosca says to give him a call at his house. Mm. And so I gave him a call at home and his stepdaughter answered and said that he was sleeping and I'm thinking, Robert Kennedy never sleeps during the day. <laughs> and I, I just had a weird feeling, Aaron. And so I hung up the phone and I thought, I'm going to do some further research. And I called a friend of mine that's really close with Bob over in Canada. And he said, no, Dennis, he said, Bob got sick. Um, uh, well, let's see, the Arnold Classic was in March, about a week or two before, so that would have been in February. And he thought it was a flu and went into the doctor and he had a lesion on his lung and one in his brain. Wow. And they did some radiation and that didn't work. And then they were the doctors at the hospital in Montreal were gonna do some chemo on him, but he was so weak, he lost like 40 plus pounds. And so they couldn't do the chemo. And I think it's just one of those things, Aaron, sometimes that cancer is like, it goes slow and then other times it's very accelerated. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's really a shame, but uh, uh, sounds like he was a great guy. And uh, I know that he'll be uh, sorely missed by the bodybuilding community. And it sounds like uh, everybody who knew him. Definitely. Um, so yeah, there's a tribute for him. It's going to be like a celebration of life a few weeks down the road. I'm not sure if it's going to be in Canada. I would almost think it's not just because with passport issues, it would be really hard if they, if the Muscle Mag people emailed everybody and said, okay, we're going to have a celebration of life in a week. Nobody could get a passport in that amount of time. That's so true. I think it's going to be in the United, United States somewhere. Uh, I don't know where though. Dennis, thank you very much for coming on. Everybody should check out Dennis's website. And that's www.dennisbweiss.com. Dennis, thank you very much for coming on. Really appreciate it, man. Well, thank you, Aaron. It's been a pleasure, buddy. Thank you. All right, Dennis. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye.